This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Fan with the Fanbite video game and news and culture podcast. We talk about, uh, we're supposed to talk about video games, and we kind of do, but we mostly talk about, I don't know, Pokemon being horny or something like that. It was Digimon mm-hmm. last week, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was last week, it was Digimon being horny, but this week it can be Pokemon being horny. Sure. Like, we can get right into that. As soon as I say, uh, joining me as always, as most of the time anyway, is Nikki Grayson. How you doing, Nikki? Hi. Good. How are you? How are I'm, things? I'm good. I'm t- already tired and scared of the the airplane ride to E3 that's uh, yeah. coming up. That's going to be good. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Stephen Strom. Uh, I'm the managing editor of uh, Fanbyte.com. And Nikki, I didn't mention that you are a social media specialist, but uh, that is our official titles. Those are our official titles. And yeah, we're getting ready here for E3, which starts technically next week, but it's it's like E3 is like six months long mm-hmm. now. Uh, there are f- there's less and less content actually at E3, but it gets longer and longer every year. Uh, such wild. yeah, such is the law of the universe. But yeah, so uh, we'll be getting I'll be getting on a plane here in about uh, fifteen hours, sixteen hours. Wow. Yeah, that's that's so good time. soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't make the you can't really make the the joke, so you can't scare me, I guess, anymore with the whole like E three is in five days or whatever because I already I'm already looking into the maw, <laughs> I'm already looking down the barrel of the gun, daring it to pull the trigger. Um, yeah, there's time is already more. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. What have you been up to, Nikki? Have you been? Uh, I might as well just get right into it because we got a lot of stuff to do. We're very busy, so yeah. why don't we? Yeah, make kind of a. It's uh, basically just been. E3 prep, which we've just been in meetings constantly, which right. I didn't know it was possible to meet this much. Oh, um, yeah. But it is. Um, so we're doing that. And then just trying to get some last minute uh, game stuff in before I assume I will not be able to touch a video game, really, mm-hmm. uh, that isn't on the Los Angeles Convention Center show floor for about a week and a half. Uh, you know, they might not even let you touch them there. They frown on <laughs> you actually playing games that are in development. They really want you to just look at them and say how nice they are. I love how shiny all of the sportsmen look mm-hmm. in the new FIFA. They do uh, look pretty shiny. I will say the FIFA <laughs> games, they're not my cup of tea, but uh, yeah, they usually look pretty good, right? Yeah, they look pretty good. The balls are round. Mm, yeah. That's tough. Reasonably That's tough to round. do. Yeah. Yeah. Did I ever mention um, I, I played soccer for like 11 years? Oh, how was that? What position did you play? Defense. De- defensive something. Yeah. yeah. That's um, exciting. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, 
Uh, for as much as I did that, though, I've never, just never really been into soccer games or anything like that, which is just, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, pretty much all through from, like, grades 1 to 11, and then on my last year, I was finally old enough where my parents were like, ah, you can kind of do whatever you want, we're not going to force you into <laughs> sports-type stuff anymore, because I did a lot of sports as a kid. I was, like, I was in soccer, I rock-climbed for a while, I was in track and field, I, I was, like, a really athletic kid, and that has not gone on to reflect my adult life at all. <laughs> yeah, especially, like, that is such a wide variety of things. Yeah. And it was, soccer was and rock-climbing seems like the perfect, like, if you were, like, trying to tell someone... Like, if you're trying to explain your, your your character as, like, a high schooler and you're like, listen, I do soccer <laughs> and I also climb things, I mm-hmm. feel like that would, like, s- explain a lot. That, that's, like, the, the jock guy. Or that's, like, they early on in the, like, you know, 15 minutes into the, like, the, the high school horror movie where, like, it turns out all the teachers are par- alien parasites. Like, mm-hmm. a faculty two type situation. Uh, that's like 15 minutes into the movie that's where you establish like oh this guy does rock climbing and this thing so that that like there's a part where they need to climb over a fence and run really fast to mm-hmm. get to a thing at near the end and they're like I can do this this is you know this is up for, to me uh, and that's when like the jock that has kind of been he's kind like he's he's getting peer pressured by the rest of his friends to be kind of a dick but he's kind of got a heart of gold and you can kind of see it starting to shine through that's that's the moment where it finally breaks through that he was actually a good guy the whole time and joins the, the rest of the time. crew yeah yeah you ever see The Faculty? I have not. A scary yeah. movies scare me. Oh. Did you um, ever did, did you ever do athletics in school? I uh <laughs> I was like I did. Oh, well, this I is did. not going to be a rich vein if you don't watch horror movies. <laughs> I did um track and field and cross country for a while. Oh, really? And okay. my only my only cross country story is that I did cross country for I think my for like my first year of high school and then that was a miserable experience because I have terrible asthma uh, oh. so my lungs were not happy about the fact that I was being asked to run multiple miles in one sitting um, so I did that for one year and then the second season the first race I got maybe like 30 minutes in and I was like I'm actually not going to do this so I literally <laughs> stopped the race turned around and then just walked back to the coach and was like yeah I'm done I'm just going to wait here. And then I just didn't run any other races uh, for the rest of the for the rest of the season. Wow. And then my junior year, or maybe actually it was my senior year. My senior year of high school, I uh, did not know that I was on the track team um, until I was pulled out of class. Uh, and they were like, we have, there's a meet today. And I was like, what? How does that <laughs> happen? How do you get uh, onto a team that you don't know about? My school had... Um, there were in the high school there were probably 85 kids so it was one of those situations where if it was it was like if you were on it at all at one point in time you are still technically on it (laughs) wow okay because they're like no we need to in order to keep the budget for this we need to have a number of names and like correct congratulations it's like signing up for a walmart mailing list you're on this for the rest of your life forever yeah so i ran a 100 meter dash on literally no uh, pra- like I hadn't done it since the previous year, previous year, uh, and I just ran it cold. Didn't come in last. Okay. A uh, middle, firmly middle of the pack, but uh, yeah. Uh, interesting. I uh, we also did not mention that uh, that Merritt is not with us this year. But what what uh, I I here's my 
she's out on like assignment uh, getting other stuff ready for uh, for E3 getting some other meeting type stuff done but my guess for Merit uh, from what I know about Merit is that she was probably like in Taekwondo or something for like a week yeah. that's my guess <laughs> yeah that I can, feels I can to see me. that yeah I, like, I can uh, see that. I, I feel like very much like that was a thing that she would have thought sounded like super, super cool when she was a kid and then like tried it and then was like, oh no, I, I hate this. And then went back and, yeah. pl- and played video games or something like that. Because mm-hmm. it feels like very much, yeah, I don't know. That feels like very much something I didn't do as a kid, but would have done. And I don't know, I, I can I can just see her doing that in my head. Yeah. <sighs> um. But yeah, did you play any video games this week? I played a handful of video games this week. Uh. The biggest one, for me at least, was Outer Wilds. Ooh! Um, which, oh, man, that game is so good. It is. Yeah. So if uh, if you don't know what Outer Wilds is, it's a game that was, like, I think it came out last week. Um, and it's published by Annapurna. And I did not realize this, but it was, like, a indie student game. Right. That was, like, funded on FIG. So, like, as I was, like, doing research, I was like, oh, Okay, cool. Did not know this. Um, it won like the Independent Games Festival like Best in Show award, um, and that this was like three years ago. This was in like 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. Um, and then they kind of went dark for a little bit, and then has come out completely. Uh, published by Annapurna, um, it's on the Epic Games Store on PC, and then is currently console exclusive to the Xbox, and is in Game Pass. Um, it was a very good week for Game Pass last week. It was like Outer Wilds and Void Bastards came out on the same day straight to Game Pass. Um, so that was good stuff. But it's a it's a space exploration game um, that tells you literally nothing about <laughs> what you're supposed to do or why, which is in it's like in the same vein as No Man's Sky. Um, but there's something about the scale of Outer Wilds, which is to say that there are only, like, a handful of planets in the universe, like... Right, there's, like, five plus, like, a couple of moons, I think. Exactly, yeah, so, whereas, like, hopping into No Man's Sky is, like, oh, like, there, it will go on forever. Like, it will be impossible for me to touch every single thing because it goes on forever, Um, you know exactly the confines of this universe, which in a space exploration game seems like it would be restrictive, um, but it isn't at all because it gives you the time to actually explore each nook and cranny of it. And each planet and each moon is so detailed. And like the narrative that you start to uncover is so unbelievably interesting. And I feel like I can't talk about basically any of it right because you would <laughs> because immediately like any, spoil anything yeah. exactly because yeah. there is because of the way it is set up it, it's like you start out and then you go um and you I, I guess i will explain this part so the game is on a 20 minute loop so at the end of the 20 minutes a thing happens and you have to start over your progress does carry over um, from run to run, but it is like a run-based game. Yeah. And, and for the record, for just just to give like a kind of a general like elevator pitch of like what you're actually doing in the moment to moment, like there, this is not like No Man's Sky where you're not mining resources, you're not right. shooting aliens, you're not you know fighting anything like that. You are just exploring. And when you say progress carries over, what I I think what you mean is like. They, there's like a ship's log on your on yes. your ship, right? Like that that is a journal of all the information that you find. It just automatically uploads to your ship anytime you find anything new, and mm-hmm. you continue to explore. So it's like an exploration game in that sense. And and by, when the loop resets, you can go in any direction. 
Right. Um, so yeah, so since it's not linear, explaining like any any specifics, right. I feel like I I really want to talk about it like in a couple of months once like the the spoiler window has closed because oh, I found some stuff yesterday that like I I will say this I have not felt anxious playing a video game in a long time, and there is something about the there is something about being tossed out of your ship and then just knowing that, oh, my ship is on one side of this universe or is on one side of this galaxy and I am on the exact opposite. Right. And now I need to figure out how to get back. And sometimes you like, can't. Like, so, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you can't. You have to impossible. just like live with the fact that, yeah, exactly. You have to live with the fact that you cannot. And, and, like, and well, but, but since it is on a, it's, it's on a 20, that 20 minute loop you mentioned, like that doesn't, that's not super tremendously frustrating because you just right. know that that loop is going to reset eventually and you can kind of like just give yourself over to this feeling because I know exactly what you're talking about. The same thing has happened to me a couple of times where like because your ship can get destroyed too. It can just get like mm-hmm. literally so damaged that it is irreparable and you can't get back to it. In which case like it my ship I think it was even last night was like ripped into multiple pieces and it was like sometimes so when, usually when the ship is damaged it'll just show you like oh this part of your ship is damaged and you have to sit there and hold the repair button until like uh, you know wasting some time to get like you know your cameras turning back on or whatever but like mine was so badly torn apart that i literally couldn't do anything so i was trapped on one planet and could and just like well i'm here anyway i know at the beginning you know in 15 minutes everything is going to reset and i'm going to be able to do whatever i want i'm going to get my ship back i'm going to do xyz but where can i get to now like i was in an right. ocean on an ocean planet and it was like okay is there any like landmass nearby me where that I can swim to and just like go yeah, like can I can I just figure that out right now what can I do here and it's like yeah, and that almost ends up making you like discover things that you wouldn't normally discover anyway because right. because yeah because the game is so like good about keeping track of your progress of like where you should go next and whatnot it's got kind of this spider webbing diagram of like every time you find a new piece of information it will say like hey here's this clue that you found on this one planet, maybe go check out this other part of this planet that has this uh, the next clue in this chain of, of, of events or whatever. But then, like, right. when, you, when you just get, like, cast adrift, like Robinson Crusoe on Mars type style, <laughs> it's like, well, shit, like, I'm just going to discover some, whatever I can because I, I have time is my only limited resource here, and even that in the long run isn't. But, but like you said, it... it it, in the moment, that doesn't necessarily, like, click. That your brain doesn't necessarily connect the idea that, like, well, in 20 minutes I'm going to be fine. It's like, oh, shit, I am floating in space. Mm-hmm. My ship is 30 <laughs> kilometers away. I can't get back to it. I don't have fuel in yeah. my I don't in have enough fuel or oxygen to get there. Yeah. No. What can I do? So what can I do in the in the, in this loop and everything like that? And that's oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. Uh, it's also... Um, in 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 that same vein the because there's no there's no like linear progression to this game like you can uncover the bits of the story uh in any order which i feel like is a very hard thing to do because it the when you're planning out a story like that it needs to be it needs to make sense at least a little bit regardless of when you find it relative to the other pieces of context that um regard or like regardless of the other pieces of information that you get to provide said context, right? Mm-hmm. So there is this game is so good at making things click in your brain when you find the other half of something. Right. In in a way that is like it just feels so good. Like I I feel it, this game makes me feel smart for like 
understand. It is so good at teaching mechanics. There are not that many, but it is so good at teaching mechanics and teaching the way, teaching you the way that these things are supposed to interact. Um, that when they actually work and when you start to like put things together, it feels very rewarding. It feels right. really good. There are like little tiny like like you can do anything in any order, but it does a good job of like funneling you towards mm-hmm. like things that it it clearly wants you to do first. Like the the planet I mentioned, the ocean planet is I think called Giants Deep, and every time you set off in your new loop, you're like right you're kind of at the bottom of this elevator that is going to lead up to the ship that lets you launch off and start your journey. And every time you do that, the first planet in your vision is always Giants Deep. So like your first impulse is always to go to Giants giants deep like so like like most people are probably going to do that first because it's just like i just hold forward on the movement button and it takes like that's the other thing about this is like there is a kind of um a stickiness to uh no man's sky that feels like okay when you are landing on a planet despite the fact that the planet is just algorithmically generated and it is not like handcrafted the way outer wilds is there is this sense of like when you are landing it is a commitment because you are wasting warp fuel you are you are you know you're there will you have to find a good landing spot. You have to do this, that, and the other thing. It takes a couple minutes. You have to find the right trajectory. This is like boom, boom, boom. It's like you're on the planet, and then you're on the next planet within thirty seconds. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's so fast. Um, and yeah, to just so when you get to Giant's Deep, it's like okay, I this this is like one of the largest planets in this solar system. It's right in front of me. There's so much to explore here on this one particular place. It's going to take me a while, and then that's going to open up all these other cracks in the glass that are going to spiderweb off into other things that are less obvious or whatever. But you could just go to those places if you wanted to. Yeah, um, I haven't been to Giant's Deep yet. Really? <laughs> Straight up. I have, yeah, I have, I maybe, I, I don't know, I don't want to like put an exact number, but I've played a bunch of loops. I have not been to Giant's Deep yet. Which is like wild, yeah. Because um, that place has like some that that place has like a lot of just landmass. Like they're mm-hmm. they're it's like an island world where there's tons of different islands with tons of different like um, pieces of information that lead off to different other places. Yeah. Uh, so that's very interesting to me. Yeah. This uh, game, my last thing on this is mm-hmm. that it does the loneliness of space thing mm. way better for some reason to me at least. I feel it it tells that story and makes me feel those feelings way better than No Man's Sky did for some reason. And I think it is because there are there are actually the characters that you do actually come across and interact are fun. They're right. very fun and I like talking to them and I like being around them. So being very far away from them actually is meaningful. Um whereas in like No Man's Sky they all kind of feel the same because you can't there's nothing you, you go from space station to space station, and it's just like, this is a different flavor of alien right. who will sell you hydrogen or whatever, this, and then you'll is, yeah. move on. And, and um, all, they, all they exist to do is sell you different pieces. Sometimes exactly. in, you know, in, they have got, No Man's Sky has gotten there, I feel like, and in a lot of ways, yes. like with its previous updates, um, in adding characters. But so, so often those characters feel like they are just literally, like, even the ones that are written characters with real names and real motivations and stuff like that, they feel like they are just designed to propel you through these different storylines throughout that universe, mm-hmm. which Outer Wilds, like, ha- has this kind of, um, I don't know if people are familiar with, like, Gravity Falls or Lumberjanes. Yes. It, it's like your spaceship is made out of, like, wood, right? And, <laughs> and, and has, and like, everybody, you're, you're literally, um, on your first night in the game, you're, you're out on, like, a pre-launch pre camping trip with your best friend. 
Uh, and like the first thing you can do, the first thing the game prompts you to do is pick up a marshmallow roasted in a, fi- a campfire and eat it. And yeah, because like all those people on in your like little home world have that kind of like life going on with this kind of very distinct and unique. Uh, kind of aesthetic and culture to them, you know. Even if that culture is kind of just like it, it's it's not twee necessarily, but it's like knocking up on the door of twee, um, mm-hmm. of like oh, it's everybody's kind of like you know hanging out, sitting in rocking chairs, like talking to each other and stuff like that. There there is a world. It provides a level of contrast that No Man's Sky, even at its best, kind of does not do. Which which like reminds you. Uh, when you are out in space and alone and are unsure of what to do next or or you're hurt or um, adrift or out of fuel or out of oxygen, it reminds you of what you do not have. It reminds you of yeah. what you are missing <laughs> in a way that, like, just, yeah, is so much more impactful. It's a good video game. We will, we, how about, uh, I know John has been playing this as well. In a couple of weeks, we should, once we've both had time to beat it, it sounds like you haven't beat it either. Yeah, I have uh, not. After E3 cools down, maybe in a couple weeks or a month or so, we should do a spoiler cast for sure. 100%. After, yeah. Uh, I would love, love, love to talk about all the different things. It's such a good game for that format, too, because there's so much to to find that, like, I... I there is an end to this game. I know there there, there is, like, yes. a like a greater mystery that you can find in a credits roll at some point, but it feels still feels like such a game that you could just play all the way through and miss so much of. Or, mm-hmm. or find things in such a different order that gives you such a different perspective on things that I think having us all sit down together and talk about it would be great. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> Anything else you've been playing? Um, Void Bastards, which I don't have as much to say about mm. other than that game is good and I really <laughs> like it. I'm not um, a huge fan of, like, I guess, like, I've get, babies get, like, ugh, sorry. I'm not a huge fan of, like, roguelikes. Um, and this is like a roguelite, like an extremely roguelite. It, it's um, first-person rogue legacy-esque yeah. type thing where it's like your your individual stats are not carrying over, but you're getting blueprints and upgrades that, that carry over from run to run. Yeah. Um, but it looks really good. Um, the, this, like, the tone is very fun. Like, the, the tone is, uh, it, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it, uh, we had a review on the site by Brock Wilbur, and I think, I can't, I can't remember his exact phrasing, but it was something along the lines of, like, Scottish as fuck. Uh, yeah. There, there is a very, uh, 2001 AD, or 2000 AD Judge Dredd, the comic book, uh, kind of, like, brutal, brutalist, uh, corporate future humor to it. Uh, right. like, like the beginning, like the very, I played this again also for the first time last night. Uh, there is a very, um, the, the, the very first, uh, scene of the game is, like, two people on a space station realizing that, like, this big, uh, spaceship arc has not come into, has not, like, has missed its checkpoint and is not going to show up on sensors, and they're like, well, um, we should probably file, like, a TPS report to acknowledge that this ship has, like, we've lost this ship full of, like, people, and they're like, yeah, but it went through the Sargasso Nebula, right? So they're all fucked anyway, and they're like, yeah, how about we just skip doing that report and just go get, uh, get some beers instead? And they're like, yeah, let's do that. And <laughs> you are the crew of that ship that nobody gave a shit about. Yeah. Or, or you're, you're the prisoners, uh, not prisoners. Dehydrated as they prisoners. Rem- yeah, as they remove you from the chest of drawers that they've kept you in. Right. You're in, like, these little um, soup packet, like, dehydrated yeah. soup packets that they pour into a uh, little pod and then, like, hose out the pod to rehydrate you and you, like, spring into existence. 
Uh, and then yeah. each of those prisoners has, like, different uh, attributes based on, like, the things. There's, like, uh, and you can, like, see what each randomly rolled prisoner, like, they have different abilities based on, like, their lives before they were uh, imprisoned. And a lot of those are based on the crimes that they committed to get them dehydrated and sent off to die in space. Right. Which, like, I had one last night whose description of his crime was, like, um causing olfactory distress to a cnt employee is like basically like most of the cr actual crimes for these convicts are things like this uh corporate guy didn't like you and because corporations run this universe fuck you and yeah. go to prison because you because i didn't like the way you smelled uh or or you you bumped into this uh ceo you're going to die in space now Yeah, you're going yeah you're dead now um, and then, yeah, the, the perks that those turn into are so good. Yesterday, I got a person who's, um, they had two perks. One of them was that they were tall. That's it. That was the whole thing, <laughs> was that they were tall. <laughs> the other perk was that they had butter fingers. So they would just randomly drop an item out of their inventory at random, inter <laughs> at random intervals. <laughs> so you would, you would be, like, walking along, and you would just hear like an item like fall on the ground you'd have to turn around and pick it up and then you like go a little bit but it was so the rate at which it it the items fell out of your inventory was so good because i kept forgetting mm. that that was what was happening and as i was running out to make it back to the airlock i was like oh there's a lot of stuff on the floor like <laughs> what happened and then i was like oh no oh, this i dropped all of this <laughs> right yeah i i think the the, the uh, example uh, it might even be like mandatory like your first time the first character that you roll might be the the always this because i hear it so much people talking about it on podcast so much but uh one of them is like heavy smoker uh where you um because your character smokes they cough periodically yeah um and the way that this game so that so things like that are important in this game because stealth kind of becomes an element because uh you are basically going from ship to ship for we haven't actually described what the, how you play this game which is that Oops. it's like it's like a first person shooter <laughs> roguelike that where you in the f style of ftl uh or if people are familiar with slay the spire it's got a very similar branching paths kind of thing where you're just going from like node to node on a map uh with some very light choices about which node you go to next and once you get to those nodes it's usually um okay there's a spaceship here you want to go onto it to scavenge for supplies because you need food and fuel are like the two yeah. things that keep you going uh and in the midst of that you can find crafting materials that gets you upgrades and whatnot but mostly you're just trying to move forward on this map and uh, when you are out there in the universe, there are enemies like space pirates and mutated former citizens of these spaceships and stuff like that. Like, the, the Juves are, like, little children monsters mm -hmm. that scurry around and, like, call you a fuckhead and stuff. Yeah, it, it's so good. Um, but I should also mention, uh, this game, I believe, lead writer, I believe lead writer, um, Kara Ellison, former, uh, games journalist, who has now gone oh. off into into games writing? A uh, very very deeply funny person uh, who's also writing the uh, I believe is also the lead writer on Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines Two. Uh, shout outs to Andrew Whitmore, who <laughs> the the number one fan. Loves bite. that game. Yes, <laughs> loves that game that isn't out yet. Uh, he's a huge super fan, but yeah, Kara Ellison, very fun, very very funny writer, very Scottish writer as well, um, which maybe accounts for a lot of the tone of this game. Um, 
But yeah, the reason that like coughing in this game matters is because the enemies are usually ten times stronger than you are, especially at the beginning of the game. Like literally, the first mission that you have is flying bullets because you were assigned a gun without any bullets in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. And there's like tur- auto turrets and these monsters and all these things trying to get at you. So a lot of it is actually stealthing around because you don't because you have limited resources, you have limited guns, you have limited health per uh, ship that you board. So. Coughing in the middle of a thing when you're trying to sneak around people is bad. <laughs> this is bad. basically the, the the version of this. Or or dropping items in the middle of a hallway and having to run back and go mm-hmm. get them when that hallway might be full of, like, evil exploding, um, what are they, screws? Or, like, the, the ones that explode with spikes? Uh, yes. And... A big part I just of run game. away from every single one of those. Oh yeah, 100%. Like the <laughs> it's it's also the narrator from the Stanley Parable does the uh, narration for this game. Oh. And the first time I ever encountered a screw, he was like, "Hey, that's a screw. If you enc- engage it, you will probably die." <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> but but one other thing you can do in this game is like uh, shut doors behind you and then lock them. But it takes, like, you have to, like, get your uh, your ID card, like, scanned to lock them. So it takes, like, five seconds to lock a door. So it's like, fuck, 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 fuck. Like, you're just yeah. hammering this button trying to lock this door <laughs> so these enemies can't get after you. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't mean to steal your thunder on that one, but I no, just played totally. it last night. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Um, there's also, just, there's one, there's a perk that perk. Uh, it's not a perk. A quirk, it's very a trait. bad. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a trait where um, so your ship docks with the ship that you're you're going through, right? Mm-hmm. And it it usually docks at the airlock that you then leave from. Mm-hmm. But I got a person yesterday whose one of their traits was that I had to leave from a different airlock than the one I came in. Oh, and I forgot that. Oh no. <laughs> You're so also like, timed, time. which we didn't, yes. which we didn't mention. Like you have a, a limited supply of oxygen per run. Yeah, so I was going through the this like hotel ship, and I was like, oh hell yeah, I've like got, I've basically looted this entire ship. I have like 15 seconds. I'm halfway through the ship. I can sprint and I can make it to the door. And then I got to the airlock, and I was like, oh no. Oh no, the, oh no. And I just died there because I uh-huh. couldn't because it was too far away. It was on the other side of the ship. Yeah, so you just Great. suffocated to death. Yeah. Which is fine because your your character your character is your character, but you have like a backpack that lives on your body that is like pumping purple goo into you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like a little spider. It's like Invader Zim's backpack, but what if Invader <laughs> Zim's backpack didn't give a fuck if you died? Yeah. Um, and it just like if you die, it just detaches from you, and then they go out and thaw out a new or rehydrate a new prisoner and plug that one in, uh, and then you're stuck as them for a little while. Uh, yeah, and what have you has, been playing? Oh, uh, that and Outer Wilds, and oh, I've been playing yeah. so much. Um, but yeah, uh, boy, Void Bastards, Outer Wilds. I've been playing the the new DLC for BattleTech just came out. It's actually it's a huge bummer that Merritt couldn't make it to this episode because, of course, this is the episode where I have been playing something other than Final Fantasy XIV <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Uh, but it, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, uh, BattleTech just put out new DLC. Uh, are you familiar with BattleTech at all? A little bit. Um, ju- basically, only from listening to Austin Walker over at Waypoint mm. rant and rave about it at the end of last year. Yeah. Um, that's my entire experience with it. Yeah, but yeah. please, 
any and all information, I would appreciate. <laughs> yeah, so Battletech, um, for those who are just really don't know anything at all, Battletech was like a tabletop-ish... It, it took many forms over the years, but for like... A, in its original forms, there were like... It was kind of like a tabletop game, and there were like Battletech centers where you would like hop into like fake mechs, like, kind of fake virtual reality things, and, uh, like, tool around in these really expensive uh, cockpit kind of viewpoint things, and there was the Mech Warrior franchise is, is set in this universe, and that's, like, where it's a first-person um, shooter kind of thing. Uh, Battletech is, is the in its original form, and Battletech, the game that came out for last year, are more, like, top-down strategy games, in the, or mm -hmm. tactical turn-based strategy games, in the vein of, like, something... That is superficially similar to an XCOM, but, like, in the nitty-gritty is extremely different in how you actually play them. Um, and the idea is that you are, a, in, in this Battletech, you are a mercenary company that is floating throughout the Battletech universe, the, the one of the, a, a slice of the Battletech star map at a certain time in the Battletech universe, uh, with a company of mercs that you hire over time and put into different mechs that you can customize and send out on missions and all kinds of stuff. Uh... The thing about Battletech when it first launched, uh, there, there was a couple of different things. There was there were some things that I think were were kind of missing originally, which is that that game had a uh, single player story <clears throat> that was very good, and you could get through it and do you know, and and that was fun. And the, but then the game kind of just dumped you out on the star map and said, okay, now just go run missions forever. <laughs> right. And that wasn't particularly fun. Like the game didn't really have quite enough variety in a couple of different respects and didn't have quite enough variety in like modes or or, or like mission types i guess or uh scripted encounters because because oftentimes what would happen is that uh the story missions would have things like okay you got to get from point a to b but your enemies are going to be spawning all over the place all the time and uh, turrets are going to come online in three in three turns. So you want to get to this one place and take over those turrets and turn them on the enemies. So as they're chasing you, they're going to funnel into this valley and start and just it's just going to be a, a firing squad for them uh, and stuff like that is very fun when it's scripted and stuff like that and forces you to think about tactics in a very specific way. But more often than not, the non-scripted story missions in that game were just like plop down on this planet, defend this convoy, shoot these bad guys, do, you know, very, very, very simple stuff like that. Uh, right. they, they put out a DLC called Flashpoint, which added more sort of micro campaigns into uh, Battletech. These, these kind of like two or three mission storylines where you have to make like decisions about how you want to deploy or when you want to deploy, uh, who you're going to work for, who you're not going to work for. Uh, I had a Flashpoint the other day. It's, it's one of the very early ones when you first kind of start off. Uh, I think it's kind of an introductory one on uh, a, a different save file uh, that I had. And it's like you will or you are working for this one uh company and you find out that like oh the battlefield that you just fought across there it is like densely populated and they're like wait how could it be densely populated we didn't see any houses and they're like they're all underground they're living in tunnels beneath. Uh. and when you guys got into a fight up there you fucked up their homes like you you stomping around in mechs shook their their buildings to, to powder and stuff like that so they're all refugees right. now and you've got another mission that you have to do like tomorrow but there are these people living here and they they have no homes now so like 
what are you going to do? And you have to decide, like, I'm just going to go, uh, you know, we're a mercenary company. We, you have literal reputations with the different factions of this universe. And if you don't, like, do things for them, they will get pissed at you and won't give you very good missions or will give you lesser payouts. You have, like, a mercenary review board uh, kind of rating, which is kind of, like, how trustworthy people think of you in the universe at large, uh, which kind of uh, determines what rewards you're able to get on missions. Um so I did, I ultimately chose okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna evacuate these colonists or I'm gonna evacuate these these civilians uh, try and get them past these these mercenary bandits but the downside to that is we're doing the right thing but they can't pay us so you're getting nothing from it except for feeling good and right. you have to go straight into your next mission with no time to repair your mechs like oh. you you just have to live with that you have to carry that weight <laughs> and that is very cool and good uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now, the, the new DLC that just came out, which I'll finally get to, uh, is called Urban Warfare, and it adds more of those little micro-campaigns like that, but the, but crucially, adds urban environments to the Battletech universe. Because I think, partially, that one of the reasons that they had this whole conceit in that Flashpoint of, like, oh, all the houses are underground, is because 99% of all the different uh, Battletech um, uh, environments that you fought across before were... It's a big mountain and it's cold, or it's a big mountain and there's jungles, or it's a big valley and it's a desert. It were very empty looking, kind of, and, and kind of ultimately, with the exception of like, how hot is it? Is this going to overheat your mech and like, you know, make it harder to shoot lasers? It, ultimately, not very different. Uh, whereas, urban, like, if you are like me and like cut your teeth on this universe in the Mech Warrior games, those games were always very much like. Uh, peppered with urban combat because what you end up doing in those games was uh, having these like shootouts the like some of the most memorable missions in those games were like having these long drawn out shootouts where you're like stomping through city streets and like coming around a corner and oh shit there's a guy there and like you back up as like 30 missiles fly past where you were standing a second ago yeah. and you're like using these buildings as cover and now some with a, true some true mech shit. Yes, some true mech shit. Some 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 like de definitely some zero eighth MS team mobile suit Gundam shit of like yeah yeah we're we're moving through this urban environments and and yeah trying to get out of people's sense of range and all that stuff. So finally now that they've added that it feels a lot more to me like what I associate BattleTech with um, and Mech Warrior with. Uh, it feels like a lot more full now. Uh, now that it has these flashpoints and this, there's a third expansion coming called something which i've forgotten the name of but there's a but uh there's basically a third expansion that they have planned on the docket right now this is a paradox interactive game they're the people who make stellaris and crusader kings and such so they have a long history of uh adding tons and tons of like uh little content updates that drastically change how these games are played over time so i'm curious to see because right now even with this urban warfare stuff i i feel like the the individual battles are much more interesting but i'm still finding that there's not a lot of reason to continue playing after the uh main story is complete because you can right. do those flashpoints you can do that but it's all in the service of just continuing in that universe uh and there's like little cool stories that just pop up as you're flying through the galaxy and stuff you're you're different uh, pilots can have little stories that, that they tell to themselves and, and do among themselves, but you're, it's really not in service of any kind of true endgame, and I'm hoping that whatever comes next does that, because I feel like this finally adds a really good framework for them to build off of. Like, I feel like, the yeah, they, they've finally built, like, a, a foundation that Battletech can launch into something much bigger, so I'm uh, looking forward to that. Um, otherwise, yeah, I've been playing a little bit more 
Final Fantasy 12 and 14 here and there. Um, I think that might be it for actual games that I played. Uh, for the at least anything that that uh, sticks out to me. Yeah, it's and, a it's a weird it's a weird. Um, I I think if we didn't have Outer Wilds and Void Bastards, I would feel way differently about this summer, uh, right. game wise. Um, even though it's only June, he says it's halfway. We're halfway through the year. How did that happen? I know, right? We're getting older, oh and like this stuff oh. just because because it's not just you say you say Outer Wilds and Void Bastards, and those are the games that I have been playing for sure. But also, Three Kingdoms just came out, and people like right. Total War Three Kingdoms came out. People love that. Pathologic 2 just came out, and people seem largely positive about it. Like, there's some discussion going on about how hard it is. But there's that. There's Battletech just got DLC. Stellaris just got DLC. Um, yeah, Outer Wilds and Void Bastards, both of, which, both of which are Game Pass games. So those are, like, ostensibly free if you have that subscription. Not really yeah. free, but you know what I mean. Like, there's a Final Fantasy XIV expansion coming out. Rage 2 did not exactly light the world on fire, but that just came out. Like... There's just no time anymore. There's no oh, D- Destiny Two literally yesterday. Destiny just... 2's, yeah, season stuff like the I I did not looking at the calendar in like April. I did not anticipate feeling as good about the amount of stuff there was to play. Right. As I do right now, and then like later this month we have Super Mario Maker Two, and Is that then this in July month? we've got yeah. <laughs> Somehow, somehow that's this month. Somehow Nintendo is going to send all of their people back, um, like, right from E3 and then straight into, okay, now Super Mario uh, Maker 2 comes out in two weeks, so I guess you don't get to stop working. Yeah, have fun with Um, that. mm -hmm. I mean, Um, literally have fun with that, hopefully. I hope people do. hopefully. (laughs) July's got uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance and Fire Emblem and Wolfenstein. It's just and then it's August, so which is when things. more ga- even more games start. Like that's yeah. the time. Then it's we're encroaching on times when people expect there to be games. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is the time that we 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 should have where it be kind of a slump. But it's like no. Instead, it's just full of those sort of mid budget games and and kind of like let or or high budget but niche type games like Total War Three right. Kingdoms, which is apparently like the fastest selling Total War game of all time or some shit like that already. It's like huge. That's wild. <sighs> you want to talk about E3? No. <laughs> we, we're putting something on the site. We're putting up like a most anticipated uh, of E3 with rumors and stuff like that. People can read that. But like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what there is to say about E3 really other it's than coming. that. It's coming. We're going we're gonna to have so much coverage on the site. There's going to be so For much. Sure. We're going to be on video. We're going to have text. We're going to have more podcasts. You and I and Merritt and probably some mm-hmm. guests are going to be chilling together uh, talking about stuff. I'm not ready. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. You're excited? <laughs> I'm excited. I think I, I think I just need to like get the the uh like my first E three shakes out. I was gonna say I feel is like this I'll your feel first radically E3? different. Yeah. Okay. This is my first one. So I gotta remember um, sometimes that you're young. And still mm-hmm. full of life. Thirteen years old and in the games industry for the first time. Right. Um yeah, it's it's weird having not ha- not being there uh, on purpose and not having um, like won a Twitter contest and then ha- my name still be on the <laughs> list five years later because they forgot to take me off. Uh-huh. It's not one of those situations. I'm supposed to be there this time, right? 
Um, people want which, you to be there. Exactly. People are going to yes. be sending you emails. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to be giving out business cards, and then for the rest of your life, you're going to get emails about like people's mobile games or their Kickstarters. For the rest did you of get your that life. press release email um, that was your name? You're going to want to feel this and feel was yes. In all I did get that. I did not. I'm a fool that did not think to read that before uh, well, recording this podcast. But I did. I did get that email. You have I took to that feel appointment. this. You took that appointment. Yeah. What is it? What is the thing? It's a it's a it's a VR um like uh like vest. Oh. That does like vibrations, I guess, when you get hit. So we'll see how that is. <laughs> yeah, great, awesome. Um, you know what I'm really excited for in uh, in uh, 2019 is something that can simulate the feel of bullets hitting my body. That's uh-huh. that's the fantasy I really Super want to enjoy cool. right now. Super great. Super great. Um, Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare reboot coming to a uh, store near you very soon. I just, I hope they have the whole setup with that uh, treadmill that you have to put the special shoes on for. Right. Like so you slippery. Just run, I just want to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, no, there, the there is an thing. element of that that is definitely cool. Like, for sure. It's, it's def- like, what was the, didn't, wasn't there one of these for the Genesis Am I making that up? There was the act, the Sega Genesis Activator, which was like a motion sensor that you stood inside of. It was like a DDR pad that you would like, if you put your hand outside of the ring, it would detect like, oh, you, or in theory, it would detect that your, your hand had left from the right side. So it would say like, hey, you're, you moved your right <laughs> hand. So we'll move your right hand in the game. I don't even know what games used it, but I remember, I, you, I think you're thinking of the Sega Activator. Okay. You think you can do like combos in Mortal Kombat with that? Thing? I I think that was the idea. I think that was like, oh, you're moving your arm, so you, that means you want to punch. But I think only Great. like two games ever used it, and my, one of them might have been Mortal Kombat Two. I don't know. We um, need we need more of those throwaway peripherals. IMO. Mm, yeah, I see. I mm, no, because nobody buys them and nobody wants them, and then n- now I have 37 of them in every closet in my apartment, and I will never be able to get rid of them because nobody wants them. I've got fucking six Guitar Hero guitars sitting around somewhere that are just no good to anyone. You can use those to play Dark Souls. I've seen it on the internet. You could play Dark Souls with bananas. <laughs> I've, I've seen that. I've seen those videos. Um, yeah. Do we want to go into news? Yeah, let's go into news. I don't know that there's a ton. Like there was a ton of stuff last week. There was uh, the, like I kind of alluded to the the people the embargo list lifted on a Call of Duty Modern Warfare reboot that they are doing that Infinity Ward is doing over there. Which I don't know. Do you care about Call of Duty at all? Nope. Nope. I don't feel like <laughs> Matt would either. I, so I'm not missing much. <laughs> I will say um, the way that they are the. I talked about this on Bite Down, which is our weekly review show, which you should go watch on mm-hmm. YouTube.com slash fanbite. Um, the the P, the tonal framework that they are using for this game, for this reboot of Modern Warfare, is uh, the AC-130 level from the first game right. where you um, kill a bunch of innocent people. And then uh, No Russian, the level from Modern Warfare 2 where you kill a bunch of innocent people. Right. So this will be really cool um, to just experience, <laughs> I think, for all of us in the year of our Lord 2019. Right. I mean, specifically, those were attempts, even historically, those were attempts to make you question the asymmetry of violence and the the idea of them continuing to do that. The, the, the part about this that feels weird to me is, like, a lot of the, the talk about this game is them being like, war has changed. Like, war, like, war, did you know that 
not everyone on a battlefield wears a uniform, so they're not easily Whoa. identifiable. It's like, but but like no, like war has changed, yes, but war hasn't changed that much since two thousand and seven when you put out Call of Duty four, and this stuff was already like, no, it was already that way. Like when you yeah. did this stuff in two thousand four, it's just like you have now, or or a, a critical mass of people within the games industry have now reached the point where they realize that they have, like, been a part of the problem of the, like, American industrial complex, like, propaganda machine that is just, like, war is cool, and uh, as long as you're the, uh, the, the good guys, uh, you're good, or whatever. Like, it's, there's... They're trying to brush up against that stuff a little bit better, but, like, the the specifics of the conversation that they are... Like, the, the evidence that they are using to back up what they are claiming that their motive is just does not feel good at all. Like, it doesn't feel like they, they get it 100% of the yeah. way there. Or are not allowed to get it 100% of the way there because it's a Call of Duty game published by Activision. It needs to sell right. 30 million copies or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's also... Yeah. There's there's also something totally wild about rebooting a um, rebooting a series about a war that we are still in. Right. Rebooting a series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. A, 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 rebooting a series about a war that when the series started, when we were already six years into that war, and now enough time has passed. Another twelve years have <laughs> passed since that time where you need to reboot it. Oh my god. That is. That is maybe the most... Yes, you're right. That is maybe the most, like, horrifying thing about this whole thing. That that twice as much time has passed between Call of Duty Modern Warfare Modern Warfare, and the time that had passed since the beginning of the Forever War until the yeah. first Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out. Uh-huh. Anyway, it'll have um, cross-play. So. <laughs> you know what? Awesome. Uh, le- uh, legitimately, great. Like, uh, more, put crossplay and everything. Like, I'm here for it. But, but yeah. Uh, I, you know what? Uh, and speaking of like ro- rolling back to like an Austin Walker, uh, uh, like you mentioned earlier, it was I think around the time of uh, the Apex Legends and Fortnite conversation going out about like crunch and how people are right. uh, like developers are treated uh, within their uh, community, you know, within their companies. Uh, somebody had said, like, you know, Austin Walker had talked about, like, how people, uh, well, well, you can't be happy about them because they're, like, beating their chest over, you know, they, they just want to beat their chests over, uh, being better than Fortnite in this one way. And then Austin basically retorted with, like, yeah, but companies are going to beat their chest about stuff regardless. You yeah. would like to see them beating their chests about, like, these things as opposed to, like... Yeah, about caring about their workers and the fact that their workers get to go home at normal times. Right. Like, that is a good... If they're going to brag about anything. And, and if a game... You know, if a developer like Infinity Ward is going to brag about so- stuff, and, like, they're, they're they're a big enough company that they're also bragging about, like, the guns are the real characters in this one. It's like... Mm. No, like, that, that conversation is also happening to the side here, which com- uh, complicates this metaphor. But if they're beating their chests about, like, hey, we've discovered <laughs> we've discovered this thing that you already knew for 16 years yeah. um hey hey we hey we finally figured some stuff out we're, we're inching closer to that i will take that over not having that like at the end right. of the day but i still think we can do better and we can do better faster uh and should have done better faster i think the i think that franchise in particular uh has maybe has uh, especially Probably, almost certainly not 100% intentionally, but it, but it is absolutely a part of, like, the cultural tapestry of, like, your 
your American snipers and your your American yes. war movies of like you know um, propagandizing the forever war and the the like valor of the Amer like the inherent valor of the American soldier and the can do no wrong of the American military machine and the colonialism of this country. Yeah, I mean, Call of Duty is a, is a, is enough of a name and it is enough of an aesthetic that like people who don't play video games know exactly what you're talking about. What you call it when right. you c- compare something to Call of Duty? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. other people have talked about that. Other people who have actually seen that game have talked about that. Uh, other games that got announced, we or not announced, but like uh, we got we got to see a little bit more of the uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Yeah! Which seems like something that would be up your alley to discuss. Yes, there is a Pokemon Direct today, um, as of recording at 6.5. Yeah, it was a 15-minute long one, um, which I... It is wild that that Nintendo is at the point now where they have to very they have to explicitly tell you how long the Direct is going to be so you don't get your hopes up, which, like, is just a... They shouldn't have to do that, but because of what video games are now... (laughs) Um, the funny it, thing it is, it doesn't quiet. work anyway. People still fucking oh, 100%. like, hey, we're going to spend seven minutes just talking about Super Mario Maker 2, and all of Twitter is still like, holy shit, they're going to announce Animal Crossing for Switch. Oh my <laughs> god, finally, now's the time. It's like, no, y'all, they wouldn't... <sighs> anyway, this 15 minutes, um, They, I will say, before. also one more thing before I dive in. Um, Nintendo, they are so good at these, at like making the they give you so much information in the amount of time that they allot regardless of how much time it actually is that you I have not walked away from one of these feeling like I didn't learn something if that makes sense like I feel like I know so much about these two Pokemon games that are coming up and honestly if they gave me no more information between now and when the game came out I'd be cool mm-hmm. um but yeah Anyway, so Sword and Shield are coming out. They got a release date. Um, it's November 15th, 2019 um, on the Nintendo Switch, um, which is great. It's uh, it's coming out this year. So if that smaller Switch rumor ever ends up being a right. thing, I feel like it would come out probably at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, it's got... There are a bunch of new things. So the biggest thing is literally big is that there's this new thing called Dynamax, which is where the Pokemon, you have a bracelet. And they've had this uh, this kind of mechanic, like this Pokemon enhancement mechanic since X and Y with Mega Evolution. Right. Um, yeah. And they've brought that forward. And now it's called Dynamaxing, which is you have this bracelet on your wrist that you activate and then your Pokemon just gets real big. Oh, is that okay? So I didn't watch this stream, but I did see pictures of the biggins out there. Yeah. Huh. yeah, the Pokemon just gets real big and very powerful, um, and then fights your also your your enemies very big, very powerful Pokemon. Um, so it's it's literally it, it's it's Rita Repulsa make my monster grow. It's like well, oh, hundred percent. It is exactly that. Yes. <sighs> All right, I'm into it. I, um, so I saw screenshots of that and a, and just and I had also heard people talking about oh there's going to be raids in this one and yes. like, uh, my immediate assumption was like oh this is how they're going to do raids is there's going to be like giant Pokemon like Pokemon Go and you're going to fight the big Pokemon I didn't realize it was just a thing you could do to your own Pokemon <laughs> yeah yeah so that's exactly it so the it is a thing that you can do in battle scenarios to your own Pokemon. And then in the raid, so there are now four-player multiplayer raids that you can do either locally or online um, with three other trainers, and you go in and basically 
I'm pretty sure it is exactly what you've described. It is you fight a Pokemon in the same vein as a Pokemon Go raid, um, and then you get to catch the Pokemon at the end. Um, there was one weird strain. Like, there was one thing that they mentioned in the in the direct was that you, only one player can have their Pokemon go Dynamax during that sequence, which is seems I don't know why. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's happening. Um, also, all of the Pokemon gyms are stadiums now to account for the fact that the Pokemon can get real big, which is like an amazing way to get around that. Like now it's just there are thirty thousand people sta- like seat <laughs> stadiums now because the Pokemon have to get tall sometimes, and we needed to build a building right. <laughs> big enough. Um, so it does seem like they're going back in the direction of having regular ass gym leaders because uh, Sun and Moon had. Um, oh my goodness! What kahunas? Were they, they did not have. Yeah, they had kahunas, and they were not like traditional gym leaders. Um, so I think there are. It's going back to the you get eight badges, go through that situation. The biggest thing um, that isn't the big Pokemon is that there is an open world e segment to the map. So it's unclear where that is specifically, but there was a part where they mentioned that the cities are connected to what is called a wild area. And the weather and the climate of that area changes relatively frequently, I think, because the Pokemon that you can find there change. But it has the same, like, Pokemon walking around the world mechanics that were introduced in Let's Go. And you can... (laughs) It is amazing that this was a a line in the thing. You have control over the camera, (laughs) which... Does that seem like a wild thing? Oh, but for a Pokemon but yeah, game? Yeah, you never really do in those games, huh? Yeah. So they the right stick just you can look up now. If you want huh. to look in the sky, you can just look up. Um as opposed to being restricted to whatever isometric angle that they've decided is the one. Um and yeah, they introduced a handful of Pokemon. Uh hashtag Sobble Squad, Sobble's number one, all other starters are not real IMO. Sobble's the one for me. Yeah, um, I'm I'm very much Team Sobble. I was Team Poplio last time. Uh, yep. For what that was worth. Um, what else? I like water type starters. Actually, thinking back, even when I was a kid, it was very much a Squirtle guy. Froakie. Yeah. Big Froakie man. Froakie was good. Um, a big, huge fan of Mudkip. Mudkip ruled. Uh... I don't know that we have a ton of other news, but this does feel like a good segue into a, I guess, a, we have enough emails now where we can probably do like a reader mail section of this podcast. Because yeah. we do have a website or, or an email address now uh, addressed specifically to um, sending in listener mail, which is podcasts at fanbyte.com. Fanbyte with a Y, obviously, like the website. Uh, we have an email from Fanbyte freelancer James Upton that just says, which starter in Sword and Shield is the best and why is it score bunny? Hope you all have a good time at E3. <laughs> Um, Score Bunny is the is the type of Pokemon that would ask you why you were sad in the middle of a depressive episode and not understand that oh like you had god. depression. Oh my god! Why is that so accurate? <laughs> he, it just it just refuses to understand. Just, oh, just be happy. Just yeah, cheer he, up. He, he's definitely like standing while you're like slouched down on a couch, and he's like standing near the door because he wants to get you to go running with him. And he's like, "Come on, mm-hmm. I don't see the problem. You need to just get up." And like, get outside. You'll be fine. It'll be you. You yeah. get outside. The sun will the the cheer you up. Right. Yeah, exactly. The sun. That's, that's Score Bunny. That's Score Bunny. One hundred percent. I have no. I have no takes on Grookey. 
Yeah, yeah Grookey feels fine. like a. Have they show? Did they show the middle evolutions at all? The they the, did not. Okay. I was expecting that. We did not get that. They showed um, legendaries though. Yes. So the legendaries two are two dogs. One of the dogs has um, its like mane is a shield. And then right. the other one just has a sword in its mouth, straight up. It's the, just, I don't. It's Sif. It's Sif, the Guardian Wolf, or or whatever yeah. her name is. It's Sif from uh, from uh, Dark Souls, the, yeah. the big wolf with the I don't, sword in her mouth. It's just, I. Where does the sword come from? Is the poke? Is it born with the sword? Did I it mean, find the sword on the street? I like, had this where did exact, it get the sword from? I had this exact thought in my head earlier, but I also realized mm, they've had Pokemon that like poke that are. Hey, this is. Just a Pokemon that carries this inanimate object around with it all the time, and they usually have an explanation. Like Cubone, the the Pokemon that carries it, the, uh-huh. that wears the skull of its dead mother over its head. Um, Casual. And did you see uh, Detective Pikachu? I did. There's a pretty good uh, Cubone joke in that yeah. <laughs> at the very beginning. It is a wild way to start that child's movie, though. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's the, it's the first Pokemon you see mm-hmm. in the movie. And they're like, hey, yeah, did you know that Cubone, uh, the skull is its dead mom? Hey, if you never it's read like, the Pokedex before, just so you know, <laughs> if you've managed to this uh, where... avoid this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it does a good job of uh, uh, setting up that uh, kind of t- tone that that movie tries to walk, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that, so the dogs, they show the dogs. Uh, they, they said there's going to be raids, which, yeah. I don't know what that Nintendo's means. Nintendo's hashtag for the people who are fans of Grookey, I've just looked on Twitter, is hashtag Grookey Gang, which is... Okay. <laughs> okay. Yep. That, yep. Okay. Grookey Gang, Grookey Gang, Grookey Gang, Grookey Gang. Is that like a boogie? That was like a Fortnite thing at one point. Wasn't it Boogie Gang? Boogie Gang, Boogie Gang, Boogie Gang? Or is yeah, this... there was also the song Gucci Gang. Oh, okay. Which is probably where the Fortnite thing came Almost from. Almost certainly. It's a lot. Oh, uh, oh, you don't you don't say that maybe Fortnite pulled so, like a culturally appropriated something oh, else uh-huh. into its uh, thing. It, it, the first and only time. It's right. impossible to say if it's done it before or since. Right. Nobody um, knows. I was literally about to say <laughs> no. Like even as I was saying the Boogie Gang thing, I knew this is actually probably a reference to hip hop or something <laughs> that I just don't get because I don't keep up with enough stuff because I don't know culture. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anyway, so that's coming out in November, which I'm very excited about. I'm excited to hopefully get some hands-on at E3 um, so I can see. I'm. This is a strange thing to say. I'm very interested in the catching mechanics for this one because I don't know what they carry over from Let's Go and what they leave behind. Oh, Because sure. there were motion controls um, for catching in Let's Go. Uh, like, do those come over? Are the encounters... <clears throat> excuse me, are the encounters, like, regular-ass Pokemon encounters? Um, are they different in any way? Like, I'm interested to see that. I also, the last thing on this, the the visual design on the battle menu is so good. It's, like, it's a very minimalistic flat situation that reminds me a lot of um, some of the emblems in Destiny. Um, oh. It's just very cool. Like, the font choice is really good, and the colors that they've chosen for each type are really good. It was, like, a very small thing that I, like... It, for some reason, it's stuck in my brain. I'm very excited to see like what the uh, like the aesthetics of this game are, um, UI wise, because that stuff is always kind of cool to me. Sure. 
Uh, I was actually kind of like, uh, I think going back even to, you can like listen to the episode where the first, they first announced that stuff, and uh, I was kind of disappointed by the fact that it seemed like a lot of, like, mechanically, they, they were very much sticking to traditional stuff with some very, very mild changes mm-hmm. along those lines. Uh, which I kind of kind kind of find a little bit disappointing. I think the I think the the big part of that though is that I just don't like that they've gone back to random encounters. Yeah, um, that's definitely. And I think this might be a different conversation for for after E three, but I it is very interesting to me to see how much they've pulled. Game Freak made a game before, like in between the last Pokemon game and this, called Town, okay. which is just like a regular ass RPG huh. but i think it's the same engine that they are using for this pokemon game and a lot of the visual like the the aesthetic choices and design of the actual towns in town look a lot like the stuff in galar which is this region um and like i don't know it just it's very interesting to see uh the roots for this game because they are not as hidden um as they usually are also, there's some, there's a part of me that is like the wild area is them realizing, acknowledging, realizing and acknowledging that they couldn't figure out how to get a entirely open world Pokemon game for this one, but they will continue to build on that moving forward. Right. Um, because yeah. it does, it is kind of strange to be halfway on this, unless this is actually a half step. That does kind of make way to something else. Yeah, that does make a, a certain degree of sense. Like the the first one that you make for, I think people were kind of looking to like, oh, it'll be the first real Pokemon game, new Pokemon game on a Switch. But like, I feel like yeah, because you mentioned the engine. I think it's Unreal Engine Four. Even I think it's the one that they are doing for this. I think they did mention oh. that on that podcast or on that uh, direct, um, which is the the Epic Games uh, engine. Um, mm-hmm. And which is kind of interesting. Like, I mean, it's it's an open-ish engine that like a lot of different people can use, and has like you know a long history of of being very uh, good about like being friendly to develop for and stuff like that. So it doesn't make a. It's not super surprising, but if that's a new engine for them to be working with, and this is like new hardware for them to be working with, I could definitely see like okay, the first one we do for this new hardware that is connected to a TV, and we have like different you know kind of mindsets that we have to take into account for both using a different engine and for having a new game that is going to be playable in a different format than we are used to you're going to play it somewhat safe to get the tech down and then right. the next one would actually be the one that would like really pushes the boundaries yeah that is interesting i'm excited I... i'm excited there was a there was a very cute like p so all of the there was like there's a breath of the wild is very piano heavy um and there was like this very uh, light piano. Like, when they were talking about the wild area, the music sounded exactly like Breath of the Wild music, which I thought was kind of cute. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, okay, so other... I don't think we have really... Like I said, uh, we kind of moved on from news a little bit here. I've got a couple more emails here that I can go over. Uh, we have uh, our first email ever, actually, that we promised that we would get to last week, but or we last week we promised we would get to this week is from one Nathan Ferguson, and Nathan says, Hello! Don't know if Fanwith reads these emails or if it would be better to just send these questions to the Twitter account. I was just curious if anyone on the podcast had played any of the Snapchat multiplayer games, and if so, what you think of them. One of them, Snake Squad, is a pretty direct copy of Slither. Wonder how Slither's designers feel about it. Another is a party game with your Bitmoji avatar. Lastly, there's a top-down zombie shooter with the voice chat. It's an okay time killer 
with the yeah no with the voice chat it's an okay time killer on your phone i think uh, out of the new digital game service, Google Stadia, Apple's Arcade Gang, uh, Apple's Arca- Arcade Gang, Arcade Gang, Arcade Gang, uh, Arcade Thing, the rumored Xbox Cloud, Snapchat seems the least ambitious, but the only one that's live so far, Shrug Emote. Uh, best, Nathan. Uh, Thanks, Nathan. Do you know any about, uh, you're, you're a social media specialist, do you know anything about these uh, so Snapchat games? We got that email, and I was like, oh, I didn't know there were games in Snapchat. So I opened up Snapchat, and then I legitimately spent 10 minutes trying to figure out where the games would be, (laughs) because Snapchat is such an inscrutable mess to me that I have no idea where you would even start. Right. So then I was like, I could Google this or ask my teen sister. So I asked her (laughs) how to get them to work, Uh and then um, I still couldn't figure it out, so I just asked her if she'd played any of the games. Um, and she'd only played Snake Squad, and she said it was fine. Okay. But that they base like her and her friends basically don't use them, um, because if they're gonna get into the chat part of Snapchat, they're just using it to send words. They're not right. trying to do anything else other it, in Snapchat, other than send images, or use it to text in right. a way that will disappear, um, which is like, people have to play them. I would assume because they continue to put more in, but. My anecdotal uh, focus group in the person that is related to me has literally no interest in them. Right. Now, I, for the record, uh, my knowledge of Snapchat basically extends to a girl I knew in college telling me that I should uh, install Snapchat in a bar. And I was trying to install Snapchat in a bar. And every time I entered my email address, it just errored out and said, you can't do that. Uh, so I tried to go to their website and do it, but then you can't do it on their website. You have to just download the app and do it through there, or mm-hmm. at least you could at the time. And it just aired out every single time I tried to do anything with it, so I uninstalled Snapchat. Perfect. That's what I think about that. Uh, and all I know about... Uh, I'm not even sure what... Uh, it seems like a pretty direct copy of Slither. I did. I should have looked this up ahead of time what that is, because the only Slither I know is the James Gunn horror movie with Michael Rooker and Nathan Fillion. Um, a different one, this one. Yeah, I'm guessing probably so. <laughs> I'm, pro- I'm guessing it's probably not the, like, off-brand uh, Night of the Creeps remake that James Gunn made before he went on to direct Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-mm. Slither's not a good movie, one. though. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> um, um, Slither is, like, is Slither.io. It's kind of like Agrario. I don't know that either. That. So <laughs> no. Agrario uh, was this web game. Man, damn, I need a teen, a teen sister to tell me about these things, because Jesus Christ, They're, I'm out of the She's loop. very helpful. Yeah. Um, the, Agrario basically was... Uh, a is I think it still exists. It's a mult like it's a it's basic it's a massively multiplayer browser game where you're a circle that has to consume other circles to be the biggest circle. That's what, oh that's I did play that I played that I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about yeah 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 yeah. Um, so Slither is another one of those, mm, but it's Snake. Okay, I I hear the I O part and I immediately think of like is it made by that company that makes those like uh, that those those um browser based like knockoffs of like hold down or like remember hold down no not hold down hold.io yeah. that which was yeah. that like yeah that that like rip off of uh of donut county um yeah. i i hope that's not the same company we didn't just give them a bunch of free advertising so we'll no, see that's fine hold down though hold down different good. game pretty good i hear they have not played it either it's good um last days yeah so i don't know i i do like uh time wasters uh, uh nathan here does mention like that they're pretty good time time wasters and i do like time wasters on my phone so maybe it's something if i if i had snapchat maybe i would use them but uh sadly yeah. i don't 
Uh, we had another, we had one more email, which I'm not sure 100% what to make of, but let's just go ahead and do it. This is from Hendrix uh, Trog uh, at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, so, I think that at the end of E3, the ESA is going to announce that E3 as we know it will die only to become something new next year. E5! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Esports, e-panels, e-games, e-entertainment, e-expo. Then later this year, the ESA falls completely apart and E3 becomes PAX Neo Prime next year. Also, I think some rare legacy games will show up in the new Battletoads. Hope you have a great summer, Jack. Uh, so I didn't see that. They had their actual name underneath there, and I didn't take the enough time to read it. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Nathan, for your email as well. Thank you, James, for your email. I don't know yeah. if I didn't say it before. Uh, some of the interesting parts of this, I do think, like, uh, obviously the, this person is, is largely joking, but uh, uh, I think there was talk about E3 getting bought out by the company that does run packs. Yeah, ReadPop, there there was scuttlebutt, yeah, about ReadPop picking up E3, which, yeah, honestly, yeah. Because they know how to, like, run those conventions correctly. You right. can still keep the name E3. Um, and they, I think, instead of whatever weird half-steps the ESA is currently taking to make it a show that people can pay a million dollars to go to to not play any video games, if ReadPop were to come in and be like, listen, the name E3 still means something, but we're going to make this a show that is actually viable for everybody involved, I, I can see that and would totally understand it would kind of be on board. Right. Yeah, my only thing with that at that point is, like, if you're already making it a thing that is for the public, don't we already have, like, 37 other things for that? Like, right. at that point, are you basically just buying the time slot and the brand? I, guess, I mean, I guess there's definitely value in the name E3 still. Yeah. Uh, and, and there because be- you would be pushing up on PAX West, which is in August. Right. I think it's at the end of August. Like, that might be too soon. Yeah. It would be, it would be strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, like, so much other stuff gets out of the way of, like, the kind of the, like, very middle summer or late spring kind of time slot of E3 because, you know, E3 has pushed a lot of that stuff out of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, at that point, if you start making it into a thing. Because, like, what's the what's the reason that nobody wants to, like, that people pull out of three, E3 all the time? And it's that, like, why should I go pay the ESA a ton of money to show my game at a place when I could just, like, put it on a thing like a, a stream when i don't have to compete with anybody else and i can control the message and you know it's a thing that we've seen in a lot of video game pr in general of just like pr people wanting to uh, move into stuff like um nintendo direct style things right. or, or sony state of play style things or or even just having your own dev streams of like hey we're going to put these people in a room that kind of sort of sound and look like what an ign panel of journalists would have looked like mm-hmm. in 2005 and we're just going to do that but we're going but they're going to be paid by us instead yeah. of an independent thing that we can't 100 control the message around um so like making it into making e3 into something that it, like probably would presumably give a lot more direct control over to the uh publishers and the and the developers to kind of like speak directly to consumers and not have to go through the middleman of press that can say like unkind things about their games uh instead that they could just say like hey our game is really cool here's a giant advertisement for it like i guess like having that time slot and having that brand recognition was probably of some value uh but yeah yeah it'd be very strange it'd be very strange but i could also 100 percent see it happening yeah 
Also, I totally forgot we were getting a new Battletoads, but that 100% is happening. Right. I'm uh, they, I mean, what 100% happening. They showed, like, they did the thing where, like, we have not worked on this game at all yet, which is to show a big, like, logo. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're, we're announcing a new Battletoads. Please apply yeah. to come it's work on the new Battletoads. somewhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, rare legacy characters, that totally makes sense to appear on the new Battletoads. Sure. Like, yeah. I don't think... It, like like Microsoft certainly, and I don't. I think not even Rare uh, as a single singular entity has the has the cachet to create a sort of Super Smash Brothers style thing. Especially after we saw what happened with uh, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale uh, back in the day, which is a totally <laughs> fine game. Gets some bad rap. It's actually perfectly fine. But uh, uh, anyway, I don't think they have enough to do that. But like, if you're going to make a game with like kind of a classic kind of. Um, vibe to it that is going to speak to a certain audience like that like putting cameo characters in one of those in a game that is already right. about like tied to an existing brand like that i think that totally makes sense like you could put banjo kazooie oh, maybe you couldn't put banjo and kazooie in there because that no because they did they did put that out on xbox 360 so they do i yeah. think that did carry over with rare when they left can we get one of the dark family members yeah joanna dark joanna um, dark and james joanna Bond. dark on on a motorcycle going through a cave oh, wow. and sometimes hitting rocks oh, wow. think about it do you think do you think enough time has passed that they would make like perfect dark zero jokes like they would do they would oh, make fun of their own stuff oh boy i just want this is i'll, I'll you know what i'm gonna save that for the microsoft preview video that we're gonna put onto youtube.com slash fanbite oh, all right well, that sounds to me like a good enough excuse to uh, bring this thing to a close. We've gone a bit longer than I even wanted to, as is the case every week, because Oops. that is what we do. We just have so much to talk about. Um, yeah. Even when we're already exhausted and are going to just be even more exhausted for the next ten straight yeah. days. But hey, I'll get to see you in person in a couple days. Yeah! Or like tomorrow, basically. Tomorrow. I'm so excited. That's going to be super dope. We're going to meet Merritt for the, in person for the first time. We're going to meet, like, yes. I'm going to go to the office for the first time. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Holy shit. It's a, yeah, it's that's, big. It's I'm exciting. very excited. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely interesting and exciting. And so we'll be energized. We'll be, you know, we'll have that sort of uh, in the same room energy uh, for you on the next episode of Fan uh, With. Uh, so thank you all for taking the time to listen to us for this pre-E3 show. If you want to continue seeing our content, our brave, smart, intellectual, um, just beautiful uh refined tasty tasteful uh <laughs> content you can go to fanbyte.com <laughs> f-a-n-b-y-t-e.com and you can go and find nikki on twitter at godsua g-o-d-s-e-w-a and you can find me on twitter at at stevenstrom s-t-e-v-e-n-s-t-r-o-m thank you so much for listening again thank you uh we we're very excited to to show you all that new content next week i'm, I'm yeah now that i've talked to you nikki and like some of your um energy has has sifted through the wires down yeah. into me I, i'm i'm a little bit more excited for e3 too yes so all right uh we it's hope you're all one. excited for e3 as well so yeah so, Bye. oh wait who's no. gonna say it this week who said it last week was it was it you was it Merritt? i i think it was Merritt. i don't think i've said it in a bit okay it's your turn Okay. I'm going to just prepare my own. Hold on. Let me get ready. All right. I'm ready. Okay. Thanks for the knowledge. Yeah. <laughs>